O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The Lord is risen. Alleluia. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The Lord is risen. Alleluia. O come, let us worship him. O sing unto the Lord a new song. Alleluia. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. Alleluia. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O sing unto the Lord a new song, Alleluia. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen, Alleluia. Oh, 
The Old Testament lesson for this fifth Sunday of Easter is written in the twelfth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the first verse. In that day you will say, I will give thanks to you, the Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, declare his doings among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known in all the earth. Cry aloud and shout, you inhabitant of Zion, for the Holy One of Israel is great among you. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the first chapter of James, beginning at the sixteenth verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom can be no variation, nor turning shadow. Of his own will he gave birth to us by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with humility the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Alleluia, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the sixteenth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have told you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the counselor won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he has come, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. About sin because they don't believe me about righteousness because I am going to my Father and you won't see me any more, about judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you things that are coming, he will glorify me, for he will take from what is mine and will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will declare it to you. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia, alleluia. Christ was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few years ago when I got to Spencer, when I started out here, one of the changes I made was to the prayer of the church. That the prayer we pray after the sermon and before communion would be not something that changes every week, but would be what's called the general prayer, a prayer handed down in the church through centuries. 
which is a full canon of prayers and petitions that remain the same week in and week out, but that covers a wide swath of what the Scriptures say we should pray for. The change has gone well, but initially I was a bit nervous with how it would be received, wondering if some would think that the prayer seemed maybe over the top or a little dramatic. For instance, in one of the prayers we pray to God, preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. That's a lot. Now to pray to God to preserve us from false doctrine and an evil death, well, every Christian can feel that those are good things to pray for, to always be on our guard. But back in 2019, what I thought was war and bloodshed. Is that really the concern on your minds? Plague and pestilence? We haven't had a plague in over a century. Fire, water, hail, tempest, failed harvest, famine. Are these really the concerns of my people right now? Because back in 2019, life seemed maybe a little brighter. So I was worried about how applicable a prayer like this would be to you all. But then I looked back on these four years. What happened? We faced a worldwide plague for the first time in a century that we're still dealing with, with its fallout. In terms of war, there was the Afghanistan war that ended tragically. There's the Russo-Ukrainian war that has no end in sight or no end in sight to money be, being given to it. And in terms of bloodshed, who can forget the summer of love in 2020 where those mostly peaceful protests had cities in flames, people's livelihoods destroyed, and many killed. In those four years, in terms of harvest, we here in Spencer have seen flooding and then years of drought. In terms of famine, well, food prices have skyrocketed and remain high. There's probably plenty of you that worry how to pay the bills week to week or afford groceries. And in terms of death, I participated in these four years in 15 funerals and burials, 10 of those our own, a lot for a small congregation. So I no longer worry if these prayers are applicable to us all. The years have shown that the church's wisdom in this prayer has us pray for things that affects our lives. But amidst all that as well, in the lives of all of you, and the lives of me and all of us here, loved ones have died. Babies have been born and baptized. People have left. People have come into the church. People have lost jobs. They found jobs, switched jobs. There's been a number of graduations, a couple more here in a few weeks. And soon in our church, there will be a wedding. And on the national scene, there has been changes in politics, media of all types, philosophy, splits in the cultures. And this is just the first four years of me being here. I've barely started. But still, the world has been ever-changing at a seemingly faster and faster pace. And what's odd is that one of the favorite mottos of this country is diversity is our strength. But is it? In situations where if you're problem-solving, then yes, a diversity of viewpoints can help to see the truth and find a solution. So in that aspect, I suppose that's true. But look back at the diversity, the variety, the manifold changes of this world and of your own lives in the few short years behind us. Some changes like marriage and newborn babies, they are blessings. Some changes like the death of a loved one, they bring anguish. But whatever the change, whatever the change is, would you say to yourself that the change itself is a source of strength for you? Were the seismic shifts in your lives a source of unity for you and others in your life? Or when change happened, did it bring out the differences of minds, differences of viewpoints, differences of what people actually love and what they desire? Because that's really what happens in an ever-changing world. As the ground never stays put under our feet, as people are forced to adjust and make decisions, that's when the differences, not the similarities, 
But that's when the differences between us become obvious. Changes don't bring unity, but they do show diversities and divide. And the disciples in our Gospels are facing yet another change. In verse 5, we see it. Jesus said, But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now that's a sorrow that we can understand. Since our Lord's incarnation, all that the disciples knew in their lives was of change. Our Lord entering their lives changed things. His constant travel was constant change. His suffering, passion, crucifixion, and death all change. Now, in all of human experience, dead is dead. Except for this one time, when our Lord arose from the grave. For most of us, dead is one thing that doesn't change. But for the disciples with Jesus, who rose from the dead, here's another dramatic change. And right as they are getting used to having Jesus back from the dead during those 40 days, here he is saying he's leaving again in the ascension. Another change. And all these changes just with our Lord is amongst all the changes in their lives that we face as well. So of course the disciples don't care to ask Jesus, where are you going? Because in a certain sense to them it didn't matter. To them it was just another radical change that they somehow had to live through and deal with. And so as Jesus leaves they are filled with sorrow. And for us who come to church we gather around the Christ crucified. But what happens after we leave this altar today? Well, we go back out into the world where everything continues to change. Yes, we go before the cross on Sunday. But then the ever-changing world comes back on Monday. And as we go back into the ever-changing world, our hearts fill with sorrow, questioning and doubting if the reality of the cross actually means anything for our ever-changing lives. And so it's to this sorrow and doubt that our Lord says to his church in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. It's as if, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go, because when I go, then the Spirit will come to you. I'll send the Spirit to you. And in the Spirit, you will live in the reality of the cross. Bringing you to live in the gospel. That's what the Spirit does. Brings you into the reality of the cross, into the gospel itself. Bringing you into the reality of Christ crucified and risen. Into an eternity which does not change. With Christ ascended, the Spirit comes to you in your baptism and brings you all the gifts and blessings which Christ died to give you. And so here you are, baptized in the water with the Word. You're given the Spirit. And in the Spirit, you're in a baptismal reality that never changes. Since being baptized, many of you have grown up, you've graduated high school, maybe college as well, you've gotten jobs, you've moved, you've gotten married, you've had babies, you've raised families, you maybe have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, you've faced illness, you've seen death. All the things that we pray about in the prayer of the church that God protect us from, we've seen all of that. And yet, amidst all of those changes, you're baptized. You're still a child of God. And despite all the threats to her, here is the church in which you've entered in baptism. In which by baptism, 
after all these changes, you still gather together. In baptism, you have, been uni- you have been united to Christ and to each other. Being molded into one mind, one will. As it was on the day of your baptism, so it is now today. Nothing's changed. You're still baptized. And here in baptism, the Spirit has made you clean, continues to forgive your sins. Here in baptism, Christ daily continues to wash your feet from the stain of sin in the journey that we walk daily. The world is ever-changing because the lives of demons and men constantly rise and fall. And people despair out in the world because they cling to those lies, those things that change. Those lies, those lies of the world promise pleasure and glory and eternity. But then the lies are exposed, and they crumble, they fall. And those who fix their hearts to those lies, to those false promises, despair. And so the lies of demons and men continue to rise and fall throughout all of history. And so the Spirit convicts the world of all these lies and sins because it did not believe in Christ. It did not fix itself to Him who is the rock. But you, you have been brought into the faith. You are forgiven. You are, you are as forgiven today as you have been since the day you were baptized You are just as forgiven now as the day you were baptized. And in this forgiveness, you don't despair because you have hope. Since the day of your baptism, nothing has changed. You're still forgiven. You still have hope. Because it's true. It rises. This truth rises, but it does not fall. And here in baptism, the Spirit has clothed you in Christ crucified, has clothed you in His righteousness, has given you His merits, all His works, has given you Christ's heart and desires. They're now yours. Because Christ is gone and we no longer see Him, the Spirit brings all that is Christ to us and makes it ours. Which is different in the world. The world comes to God with its own righteousness, its own works of reason and philosophies, its own power and works, its own reputation and riches. It presents all of that to God. But still the Spirit comes and convicts the world. Because this righteousness of the world, all of the world, all that is the world that it brings to God, is nothing but filthy rags to God. And so the world's convicted. Its works are not enough. Its righteousness is nothing. But you, Christ rose for your justification. By faith given to you in baptism, the righteousness of Christ has been credited to you. His holy works are your works. His being the Son of God is now your reality where you are now a Son of God. And you are as righteous today as you have been since the day of your baptism. You are righteous on the day of your baptism in Christ. You are righteous today in your baptism in Christ. Nothing has changed. Here in baptism you have been brought into the kingdom of God. The ruler of this world was defeated on the cross. In Christ's resurrection into glory, we also see that the world's ruler is destroyed. And since he is destroyed, we know his fate, which awaits him on the last day. He's sealed into it. And the world that follows him who has been defeated, well, that world will face the same defeat and loss. But you, you have been united to Christ's death and resurrection. By baptism and the sacrament of the altar, You have been sealed into his kingdom. The promise of the resurrection is yours. It was yours on the day of your baptism. The promise of the resurrection is yours now, and it will be yours fulfilled on the last day. We wait, yes, 
but the promise hasn't changed. It remains as it's always been since the day of your baptism. Our Lord continues saying in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the changes that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it, give it to you. We were all conceived in sin. We were all conceived in sin that gave, gave us all a different mind, a different will, a different heart, a different desire. All differences and diversities, you could say, which divided us from God and from each other. Under the conviction of the Holy Spirit in sin, righteousness, and judgment, that's how we were conceived and born. But in baptism, united to Christ crucified and given His Spirit, God unites us to be of one mind, altogether one mind, which is the mind of Christ. He unites us to be of one will, which is the will of Christ, of one heart, which is the heart of Christ, which loves what God commands. In baptism, we are united in one desire, which is the desire of Christ, clinging to God's promises made in the blood of Christ. That's what it means to be brought by the Spirit of truth into all truth. It means to be united together in Christ, who is the truth. And in baptism, to be formed to be one in His mind, one together in His will, His heart, His desire. Diversity is not our strength, but all peoples of all times and of all places being united by the Spirit to Christ and each other. That is our strength. Unity in Christ is our strength. Unity in one baptism, one confession, one God. Because unity of Christ fixes all of our hearts together on one thing. The true joys. The eternal joys of the Father. The eternal joys of the Father which belongs to the Son. Which is then given from the Son to us in the Spirit. The eternal true joys of forgiveness, of righteousness, of hope in the resurrection to come. You see, the world may be ever-changing, but we find our strength here in church, in our baptism, in the sacrament. In unity, we find strength in that which is eternal that we've been fixed upon. And so today, the eternal joys which are now ours, we find at this altar. Let us partake in unity with Christ, which is our strength. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, who makes the minds of the faithful to be of one will, grant unto your people that they may love what you command and desire what you promise that among the manifold changes of this world our hearts may be there fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son, and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, 
being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.